Welcome to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast, the show where we discuss what it takes to create a sustainable long-term online business in today's fast-moving environment. We talk with industry experts and freelancers alike to find out what it takes to build and manage a location-independent business. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. This is a podcast about online business, entrepreneurship, and helping others who are interested in creating or currently on their journey into the remote work and digital nomad lifestyle. We talk about freelancing, building online businesses and e-commerce with a variety of guests from around the globe. My goal here is to share inspiring stories and practical advice on how to build and manage a location independent business. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Adam Finan, and today I have Adam Goldman from adamgoldman.me. And we're going to talk about how he has built his online business and how he manages it. Adam is currently in Medellin in Colombia. Welcome, Adam. Thank you for coming on the show. Ah, hey, man. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. No problem at all. So why don't you give us a bit of a, a high level overview on what it is that you do um, with your business and um, why you chose to be in Medellin? Okay, uh, well, I've, I've started doing uh, mine hacking, which it's, it's kind of a term I invented. So if you, if you Google it, you probably won't find much uh, relevant things. But I started doing mine hacking uh, accidentally when I was 16, hacked my own mind and uh, we, we can talk about it later. And ever since then, just started uh, learning from books and then blogs and videos and then took some frontal courses and kind of used all my, all my network as guinea pigs, sometimes uh, with or without their consent, and went, went developing my own processes. Um, and lately, what I've been doing in the past year and a half is packaging the most depend- dependable protocols I have for resolving mental issues and uh, optimizing your brain and package them into automated kind of uh, conversational bots so people can uh, can access my membership site and talk to my bots without talking to me. Like my my idea is to fire myself. So I won't, I won't be, be the bottleneck anymore. People won't have to do like uh, sessions which are more expensive. They could do everything automatically online and uh, you know, in the future, plug AI to the entire thing and this, you know, machine learning, deep learning, but but that's in the future. So that's that's pretty much it. And Medellin, well, I was actually in Argentina meeting my parents and my brother said, uh, hey man, I'm in Medellin and it's, it's pretty nice here and the locals are very friendly and it's cheap, so come check it out. So I came. It's a very popular spot with digital nomads. Do you have, you know, do you connect with much of the community that's there? Well, I, I just spoke with a friend of mine like an hour ago about this he's also uh he's also a nomad actually i'm a bit disappointed from the lack of organization that's here like there are many nomads but there is no real good uh like there aren't many events there aren't it it feels like many of the nomads like like there's a lot of potential here to make it a really good uh, digital nomad hub but kind of uh, no one has picked up the gauntlet, you know, to kind of organize this. So, yeah. You, you kind of need somebody who's there full time to, to take control of it and own it. I spoke, uh, actually, I recorded earlier today one of my previous episodes with Laura, who's in um, Gran Canaria. And they have such a good community and it's such a thriving place. But it's, I think, primarily because there's two or three co-working spaces and there's a couple of people who have businesses that are also on the island. And, and that allows 
you know, them to create this constant environment for, you know, you know, for excitement and for events and for meetups and things like that. Because the people aren't, you know, transitioning off to Chiang Mai or off to wherever. They're, they're there most of the year. So it allows to, for that uh, scenario to evolve. But Medellin is definitely a very popular spot, I guess. I mean, I noticed you were sharing some WordPress meetup groups and things like this on your Facebook. Is there is there meetups, or, you know, around from Facebook groups and things like that? Um, through Facebook groups, actually, I haven't seen too many that are kind of biz oriented, but I haven't been too much in the Facebook group, to be honest. I work mostly from Selina. It's a co-working here in Poblado, in the more uh, touristic area. And they do have some talks every now and then. Um, but not something consistent. Like, I remember in, in Chiang Mai, it was ridiculous. You had, like, three events every day. And you could just, like, okay, choose choose which topic. Uh, spirituality, uh, Facebook, Google AdWords, marketing, whatever you want. Like, every day there is an event. And here it's, like... Like you can make an event. I I I gave two talks here about mind hacking, but there is not uh, not too much. Cool. Well, why don't we dig into that a little bit more about you know how you got started in mind hacking, and maybe you could explain in your own words what mind hacking is for for people who maybe are listening and they're they're not too sure themselves. Uh, sure. So uh, I just call it mind hacking because it it felt a bit presumptuous presumptuous to say this is the Adam method, you know. <laughs> Uh, so I said, okay, let's call it mind hacking. And I started when I was, like I said, when I was 16, accidentally, I, I really, I just shot a video about this today. I was, I had a really big trauma when I was 14 and I tried many different things, uh, therapists, different kind of, uh, like self diagnosis and, and different, different tools, different courses. Uh, I read many books, but nothing seemed to help. And when I was 16, I found online, this was like the early days of the internet. So I found online this audio tape that supposedly uh, in 15 minutes will take away bad emotions from my memory. And in order to disprove that idiot who put the tape, I was like, okay, idiot, uh, no chance your 15 minutes audio tape can fix my two years trauma. So I'm, I'm going to do it in order to disprove you. So I, I used this tape and 15 minutes later, uh, I, it's, I literally woke up to kind of a new world, like reality, and I searched around the room because it literally feels, and it's something that I had with many, uh, many people who have been to severe trauma. I worked with people with PTSD and war veterans and girls who were raped many, many times. And when we finished the, the trauma relief process, they kind of like, they look around the room to find the trauma. It's very strange. It's something you carry with you 24 seven, in the background, it's always there. Like, it's always there in the background, and and suddenly it's gone. So that was my introduction to it. Um, this this process I've done, this audio tape, it's like a much less evolved version of what I now have on my site. So that was kind of my introduction. Now let me tell you like a little bit about what it is, like the high level overview of, of what is my hacking and what I do. Okay, cool. So. I studied uh, many different fields, and what I was after is how to take someone from point A to point B. So if someone comes with a phobia, how do you sequence an experience that he goes out without a phobia? If someone is uh, had a lot of pain because his son died like two years ago, how do you take him through a sequence that at the end 
he can think of his son and smile and feel good. And I started learning uh, neurolinguistic programming, which mostly I found non-useful, but there were small bits and pieces that I found very, very powerful. And then I studied hypnosis a bit, uh, the use of hypnotic patterns, advanced language patterns, working with metaphors, working with uh, the subconscious and unconscious mind and with clean language. And many, many bits of pieces from different things that I found work dependently. And the gist of it is this, is that I don't do therapy. I don't give life advice. I don't do coaching. I'm after the internal sequence a person have in his mind when he accesses a certain thing. So for example, if someone think of a dog and he has a phobic response, I need to teach him a mental sequence that go in his mind. So it's the picture in his head. It's what he's telling to himself. It's literally the sensory based experience he has when he thinks about a dog. And I need to kind of sh- shuffle it around a bit. So when he thinks of dog, he has a sequence in which he's no longer phobic. A uh, quick example to, to make a point. Usually uh, girls who were raped, who come to me for trauma relief at the beginning, Many people try to tell them, like, you know, try to forgive your, uh, like one of the ways of healing is forgiving your, uh, forgive the rapist and forgive the person who's done damage to you. But if that girl's, when she thinks about the guy who raped her, if she has a really vivid image of the guy as if he is raping her right now, like she's back in there, what people call flashbacks. It's like, I'm right back in there and I can, you will hear sentences like, I can hear his, I can smell, smell his scent or I can feel his breath on my neck. As long as she accesses the rape in that sequence, you can try to tell her as much as you want to forgive the, the attacker. But in her mind, she's getting raped right now. Now, of course, if we will see a girl getting raped like live, we will not tell her as she's getting raped, you know, try to forgive him or like show empathy. He's probably been through a lot and that's why he's raping you because this is like a live rape, but if in her mind, that's what she goes through when she thinks of the rape, she cannot forgive him. However, once, once we code the rape, it's just another thing that happened in the past. And uh, many times the metaphor people give me is it's like it's just another picture in an old, in an old memory book, it's just another thing that happened. So once you do that, now you can talk about forgiveness because the person is no longer trapped in his internal experience. So that's, it's kind of hard to, you know, to sum it up in a few minutes, but this is, uh, this is the best way I, I found. That's, that's the idea. Does this make sense? It's very powerful stuff that you're talking about. And I mean, obviously I wouldn't expect you to be able to summarize, you know, dealing with something like that in such a short period of time. That is such a traumatic experience. And I mean, you need to be experienced in it, in what you do to help try and help people mitigate and you know work through these traumas in their lives like those are the sort of things that are just beyond belief for you know and you can't put yourself in in those people's mind frames without having had that trauma and you know it's it's a horrible thing for people to have to go through but it sounds like you know you definitely have a, a, developed a system and a way to help these people so you know and and i've i remember reading before around um 
people's responses to core beliefs and you know they wire people up to these brain machines and things and it was like if you have a core belief and for a lot of people core beliefs could be around family could be be around religion and when somebody attacks your core belief it initiates the same response in your brain as if you're being attacked by an animal so literally if you attack somebody's like let's say somebody's deeply religious or somebody's deeply you know family beliefs and family values and things like that and you attack that belief it initiates a response similar to being attacked by an animal and therefore like they literally can't help themselves because it's wired into them and unless they've worked through some of this that's the sort of response you're going to get and it's why people may seem unreasonable at times if you're if you're attacked you know may if you're attacking their belief, if they feel that you're attacking their belief. So it's definitely a very powerful, it's very powerful things you're working through. It's very high level. It's very deep. You know, this is, um, it's, it's very deep, uh, scenarios that you're, you're taking these people on. And, and how did you find transitioning to doing this online, you know, versus in person? Like what initiated that in your business model? Yeah. I can quickly comment on the, on the core beliefs. So when I just started doing these things and kind of, uh, I had some, some really good protocols from different problems. I actually got a lot of hate from the, from people who are doing therapy for many years or different kinds of experts. Uh, I talked with this, with this one organization in Israel and I, I told them I have a list of girls that I worked with that, that been through rape and they're open to willingly say that they worked with me and that the trauma is gone. And literally those people shouted at me for, for saying like impossible things like, Hey, you don't know these diseases we do like girls who've been raped, they will never recover. Like the, the, the people who are supposed to have these girls, were so into, they had this really core belief that, you know, this is a scar for life, that they could not comprehend, even entertain the idea that there is help possible, like not just to manage it, but to literally put this behind you. So definitely like the core beliefs, it's, uh, yeah, it's something you need to learn to, to work with. Because if you, if you attack a person's core belief, no matter how good your message is, you kind of lost the person. So there will be like no more communication. Um, so how did I get to do this online? Well, since I've been traveling for like four years now, um, I actually took a break a bit from the entire mind hacking thing and learned how to code. And that was, I think maybe eight years ago. So I learned how to code because I knew I wanted to travel. I wanted an online job that is secure, stable, and gives a lot of income. And also, I was doing, at the time, mind hacking one-on-one. I did some workshops and some talks, but mostly it was uh, like frontal sessions. And I wanted a way to scale it. So I wanted to learn to program in order to kind of get the mindset of systemizing processes. So that was many years ago. Then four years ago, I started traveling while programming. So most of the income was from teaching programming online, web development mostly. And about a year and a half ago, uh, this girl hosted me and we became really good friends. And she started, you know, like every person tell me about her, about her past and some experiences she had. And I was like, hey, you know, I, I help people with that. So I can help you. Uh, well, I can try. So we did some processes and she found it really helpful. And it kind of reignited my passion for the entire mind hacking thing. But I was traveling, so I, I can't really set up a clinic. So I go, okay, what can I do? Let's see if this works 
on Messenger, on Facebook, online. So I, I offered some free sessions in some depression groups and I got some, I got some people who kind of signed up, like, you know, I got nothing to lose. My life is shit. I tried everything. And I started getting really good results on sessions online. And some of them, I have the transcripts on my site. So like word for word, people can see the sessions we've done. And I started doing this. And the more people I helped, the more referrals I got. And I was doing this all free because I wanted to test if it works because I will not charge money before I know that my stuff actually helps. And I started noticing that between every session, I'm copying and pasting a lot because many problems are recurring. So the trauma each person has, it's unique, but the structure of the trauma usually falls down into one of some like archetypes of traumas, you know? So this is uh, when I started to think like, okay, I'm a developer and I'm sick of doing this copy pasting. So I went and I did, uh, I went on all the sessions I've done and started to recognize patterns. Like, how do I know when to copy paste which, which part? So I packaged all that, the most recurring process that I found, the trauma relief, I packaged it into an online sequence. And instead of me copy pasting the entire thing, like how to deal with rape or like PTSD or uh, different kind of traumas, I just sent people to a URL where they have like a really stupid bot that kind of has a decision tree, you know, like if this happens, you go this way, kind of like a choose your own adventure thing. And this is how the first automatic mind hacking journey was born. Uh, I, I never planned to do this. It just kind of happened because I was too lazy to copy paste. And ever since then, I take in more of more recurring processes that many people seem to share. Uh, so like for grief, limiting beliefs, uh, dealing with internal dialogues, and I package them into, into processes. And now, the model that I have is that where people come to my site, they can sign up for a membership and then they get access to all these tools and to support from me. So they use the tools, they tell me how it goes and we kind of build them a, a program. It seems to be working uh, pretty well. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely pleased from, from this turn of event. Yes, definitely. You know, it's, it's interesting, but like you're saying, it's taking a systems mentality and, you know, replicating, removing where you can the the potential first of all for human error but also you know recognizing patterns and seeing that there are things that could be systemized and and packaged in a way and look i'm not you know and i'm sure you're the same like we're not saying that it's super it's not like everybody goes through the same journey like you're saying each trauma is unique but there are definitely approaches no more than if you're going to a therapist like there are certain approaches that they would take to get to helping you along the way so as as you started, to, as you know, when you made that decision to do the auto mind hacking, um, you know, using the messenger and things like that, uh, you know, what has helped to grow your website and your following sense? As uh, you know, outside of referrals, have you done much in terms of online marketing? Um, what sort of strategy have have you used to build a business? Right. So up until a few months ago, it was all donation based, and it was just referrals, like zero marketing. Um, in Chiang Mai, I gave some talks and workshops for free, and that gave me a lot of clients and a lot of referrals, which I kind of used to, to validate these tools. What I'm doing now, and it's really, really in its infancies, so I'm publishing videos and articles, and I, I literally started a few days ago because I was... I, I, 
devoted a lot of time to set up the, the online membership site and my business is based in Israel and not many suppliers work with Israel. So it's, it's a big struggle to, to set a membership site, which is Israeli based. So the strategy would be to produce a lot, a lot of content. So many helpful videos, many articles, and just give them away for free. And this will point to my site. And the second strategy is to go over like dedicated verticals and just make like dedicated campaigns. So I have the big mind hacking niche, which is just, it's very, very broad. Like you can use it for optimizing many things in your life and in your mind. And then I would do small campaigns like how to resolve cat allergy. So I'll make Facebook ads and Google ads and have a dedicated funnel and a dedicated product just to that problem. And once a person resolves his kind of small problem, let's say, or, the, or its focus problem, I will refer him to my bigger community. Like, hey, if you like this, you can use the, the membership site and like first uh, month is free or whatever and grow it this way. It's brilliant. It's quite, you know, it's quite an advanced um, online business model. You know, like you said, validated your ideas with the, with the courses and, you know, doing um, speaking and stuff in Chiang Mai, producing content with a value-led approach. So you're putting out good content and, you know, that tends to drive, you know, shares and, and links and links and traffic and things to the website. And then, like you're saying, digging into the dedicated funnel. So, you know, building out funnels with, um, you know, taking people into like, I would call them tripwires, but like, you know, don't mean that in a, in a negative way. I mean, like you get them, you introduce them to your brand, you give them something smaller. And then, you know, once they say, oh, this is what I like and I like this person and I've got results, then, you know, you lead them into the next, um, next state, you know, the next part of your business that they could maybe buy into or, or use. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, if someone has an urgent problem right now, like uh, a few days ago, I did a cat allergy cure session with this guy and like that's his main problem right now in his life he he has cat allergy because he wants to travel the world and his strategy is to do house sitting and many of these houses has a cat in them and so he cannot do it because he has a cat allergy so i cannot come to this guy and tell him like hey sign up to a membership in my mind hacking club i go like i have this cat allergy which i need to solve so let's do that so yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of doing the the, the two approaches, so like general videos to kind of promote the brand and help people just about to optimize their mind and then like, yeah, solve very specific problems. And actually, to be honest, I'm looking for a marketing partner because I can do marketing, but it's not, it's not my passion. You know, my passion is to develop better processes, develop more processes, making more videos. So if I could find someone to just do the, the marketing and the business side and I could focus on value creation, yeah, that's. That would be epic. That would be very nice. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's important. And like you're saying, if that's not the things you're passionate about, you're as well to try and off, you know, delegate that to people who are passionate about it and who can help you and have the experience. So speaking to social media, because I mean, you know, I found you on Facebook and, um, you know, it sounds like you use Facebook Messenger a lot. So, you know, how important is social media for your business and which platform do you feel, you know, helps and drives value for your business overall the most? Well, at the moment is Facebook. And so he, here is the thing for me. The, the number one thing that I need to show as fast as possible is reliability and credibility and authenticity. Because what I do is kind of equivalent to, like, imagine you'll have a terrible toothache and you, you went to six different doctors and you've been to, like, five 
sessions with each doctor and you spent like, I don't know, 20K, uh, 30K on, on this problem. And then a friend of yours tells you, you know what, man, I have this, uh, this guy in the Amazons and he has, he has, he's not licensed in any way. He has no formal training, but I'm telling you like, he's great. He will fix your teeth. I mean, you would be very skeptical to even entertain the idea. Like, it doesn't matter the cost because it's so weird. It's so out of the norm that you're going to have to get like really, really big evidence before you would consider it. So what I do is very much like that. Like I had people who went to 20 years of therapy and they come to one session with me and they say it helped them more. But in order to get the session with me, they have to like really trust that this mind hacking guy knows his shit he's not scamming them and he's not hurting them so the best way that i found to do that is through facebook reviews because on your site you can put you know like when i go to a site and everything that i see is reviews on the same site i'm like yeah but you know okay so you got pictures from the internet and you put reviews on like it's your site it's your control it's your domain you can do whatever you want. You can buy stack photos and put fake reviews. But on Facebook, it's a different story. So I had many people come to me and said, like, I don't believe what you do. It doesn't sound real, but I read your reviews on Facebook, and these are real people, and this was to convince me. So I would say, for me, it's Facebook, but it's not Facebook per se. It's just about finding a mechanism to display your credibility, especially if you do something kind of uh, wacky like I do, display your credibility in a terrain that, that is public, that you don't control. Because I found this this is a real credibility booster. Like, Does this make sense? Oh, absolutely. I 100% hear you. I mean, anybody can write anything on their own website. And, you know, some people might even use stock photos and make fake reviews. Like, it's you can't, but with Facebook and Facebook reviews, you know, if somebody had a bad experience, they can go up there and say it and you can't take it down. So, you know, the fact that you may use Facebook reviews and maintain it, like you're saying, a public forum for proof of concept and proof that the, you know, that is people had a good experience working with you. So, like, I totally agree with you that it's a you know, positive thing for the business, you know? Yeah, that's, that's definitely the idea. And if you can do Facebook, I mean, I know that some people started a business after being very active on a forum. They kind of be the credibility on the forum. So if you want to take it outside of the forum where people don't know you, you can make screenshots, uh, like with approval, of course, but you can make screenshots. Uh, you can make a video screencast of the, the responses you get from people in the forum, like whatever it is that you can prove this is something by real people. You can contact this person to validate like all the reviews on my site, you know, I mean, they're from Facebook profiles. So you can like, you're one click away from messaging the person and this, it's not very often, but it happens when I'll get uh, a call from a client like, hey, some random guy on Facebook today asked me, like, if you're really happy to quit smoking. I was like, oh, OK, cool. Oh, cool. Look, I, I hear what you're saying. And I guess some people would do that because like you're saying, I mean, you, you've brought up a number of different things, everything from, like you say, quit smoking, cat allergy, all the way to PTSD and rape. Like, I mean, these are all very different and broad, but at the same time, you know, 
trauma and habit related. And, you know, if somebody was looking for somebody to help them, especially some of the more trauma related things. Yeah. I mean, they might use their due diligence and reach out to somebody and see like, you know, is it legit? Did it actually really help? And I mean, that's just what people do now, isn't it? People do the research before, before buying, be that a service or a product, you know, where they'll go around the internet and look at reviews and ask questions. And, you know, that's why it's, um, it's powerful, like you're saying, to use real reviews and, I, if that's the model that works for you, then keep doing it. So could we speak a little bit to, you know, what helps you to run the business? You know, so what sort of tech stack, what sort of tools would you use on the regular? You sound like somebody who would be quite efficient, you know, based on your systems mentality and approach. So what are some of the key tools that you use to run your business? Well, the most, I think the most important thing for me is the system of getting things done by David Allen. Uh, if you haven't heard about it, it's it's a, fantastic methodology i implement only like maybe five percent of everything he teaches but i found that what you really need is some tool to make sure that all your ideas are like if i work on whatever it is and i get an idea in my mind i need a system to capture that idea in less than five seconds like if it takes you more than five seconds maybe 10 seconds to capture an idea because it means like you'll you will not do it, or if you will do it, it will take a lot of your, like it will take you away from what you're currently doing. So, and it's also a productivity killer. So I use an app called Nirvana, but really the app doesn't really matter as long as you have some sort of uh, short key on your laptop or on your phone, like with, with two taps, you can open the app and, and capture anything, like a thought, an idea, something you remembered, a quote that you want to put later, whatever it is, you go like, oh, call mom or like, oh, like trauma relief, a review of Emily, whatever it is. Like you have to have a mechanism that you can capture an idea. And then later at the, at the end of each day, around uh, 5.30, I have on my, on my schedule to kind of close the day. And I use Google Calendar for this. I found it's very simple and efficient. So it reminds me, like, go over your, your inbox, all the ideas you captured, and kind of put them in a relevant place. Um, so I, I would say this is the number one thing. I use, well, in Gmail, they introduced a new feature called Snooze, which uh, if you're not using, I definitely recommend. It's great. You can snooze each email to a specific time. Uh, what else? I use Trello to work with other freelancers. Like I have a freelancer who works on my site and I hired him through Facebook. I put an ad and then one of the, uh, one of my friends went like, oh, I have a, I have a good freelancer in, that does WordPress and he hooked us up. So uh, definitely Facebook to like for hiring, I actually use Facebook, sometimes Upwork, then Trello to work with other people and also to organize information for myself. Google Docs, I use a lot. I think Google Docs is, is really, really great. Like I have a, a hotkey on my laptop to open a Google Doc with all the video ideas and content creation ideas I have for the future. So like when, when I say, okay, I want to make a video or I want to make an article, I have the entire thing, the, the entire thing there. Uh, which brings me to another thing I use, which is lists. So uh, whatever it is that you have on your mind, you have to capture somewhere Maybe it's outreach, maybe it's content you want to produce, maybe it's ideas to improve your core technology. Like whatever it is, it needs to be written in a place that you can trust yourself to access. 
like David Allen says, your brain is for creating ideas and not holding them. We are terrible at this. And if you, if you don't download your brain to some sort of electronic or at least sticky post or some paper, so your brain will lose trust uh, in you and it will stop giving you ideas because what's the point? You're not keeping them anyway. So I would say these are the, the core thing that I use. Yeah, Trello, Google Docs, and Nirvana to capture and process ideas. Um, yeah, that, that's about it. Oh, I also use uh, Loom, which is a Chrome extension in, uh, that lets, lets you film your screen with or without your webcam. So if I have something to send to my freelancer or even to a friend, I have a hotkey on my laptop. So literally in 10 seconds, I can make a, like a three, four second screen video when I go like, oh, hey, move this a little bit up and remove this. Thank you. One click, it's uploaded to the cloud. I get a link and I can send it to whoever I want. So this is great. And uh, Nimbus, Nimbus um, screen recorder that lets you take pictures of your screen and I put arrows and text and they are uploaded to the cloud. And this also should take like 20 seconds. Capture a screen, arrow, text, like here's what I mean, and you send it to somewhere. So yeah, very efficient. That's perfect. No, I, I use Loom as well myself when working with freelancers. I even have for, um, standard operating procedures for you know certain things like doing web design and SEO. So if we get a new client, we just uh, literally everything's in Trello and, and Loom videos and you, you couldn't go wrong. You know, just like a, a never ending addition to the library. But uh, yeah, it, it makes life so much easier. And when you're hiring people, it makes it, you know, if somebody moves on or changes role, it's easy to just uh, slot somebody else in. Because you, I agree. I'm, I'm liking the hockey though. You know, you kept mentioning hockey's. You've hockey's for everything. That's something I need to look into personally. So that's that's my takeaway from your tips. There was get some hockey yeah. set up. <laughs> I don't. I tip. You know what I mean. Tend to drag around and open things up. So, um, no, but look. Thanks for giving us. You know. Uh, I look behind, you know, I look under the hood and I look into your tech stack because, I mean, it is important and people do like to see how other people work. So, um, perfect. So, look, um, I guess we're kind of coming to the end of the episode now. So, you know, what would you say, you know, based on your experience in building this business, you know, for people who are looking to get started in, you know, working online and maybe your niche is a little bit different in that you offer a different sort of a service. But, you know, what would be your advice if you were kind of back at square one and you were looking to start working remote and working online? Uh, right. So a, a tip I give to many people who, who want to do online things. So a more broad thing in general, whatever you want to learn, just break it down to small things and focus on one per week. So for the hotkeys, for example, instead of going like, okay, let me get the top 50 hotkeys and get super efficient, like, no get one and get this like work on this one put it on a sticky note work it for a week until it becomes automatic and then get the next one um and in order to start working online what i say for people is let's say you are starting as a developer and you want to be a freelancer and you have no clients this is actually something that i've done many years ago what you do is if someone puts a project on a platform he will get uh, let's say someone is looking for a designer and he will put either designer for XYZ for project so-and-so. He will get many, many price, many, many bids. Like I will do it for $200, I'll do it for $500. What you can do is instead of putting a bid, 
you just write him a message like, hey, in your type of in your type of project, the common pitfalls are one, two, three, and pay extra attention to four, five, six. I hope this helps. Have a good day, Adam. You know, so this person sees like this whole slew, like avalanche of bids, and suddenly like this guy just offering him value. And I was closing almost every client this way because what will happen is usually they will ask you about your tips. Like, oh, can you expand on tip number two or what do you mean tip number five? And then you answer and you, in your answer, you always plant seeds for them to ask the next thing. And what happens is usually they will, they will keep, like they will reply, ask you for more. And by email three or, or four, they go like, you know what? I mean, how much do you charge? Like, do you want to do this project? And this is how I got, I got many clients with no portfolio, like no experience, no degree, no credentials. And I taught this trick to many people and it works. It works really well and it doesn't take so much time as people think. That's brilliant. I absolutely love that. Lead with value. And, you know, at that point then, if you've convinced them, a lot of people are like, they're not so concerned with the price because you've, you've led with the value and, you know, you've shown that you know how to solve their problem. And like you're saying, by planting seeds to the next thing, the next thing, that then gives you the position of power. You're not the person begging for the work. Rather, they're like, oh, this person knows what he's talking about. I want him to fix my problem. And it, you know what I mean? It, it flips it back um, onto the person. And just out of curiosity, with um, with that, where, where were you finding those jobs and, and those um, job postings? So this was in a platform called XPlace which will not help most of the people listening to us because uh, it's for uh, it's Hebrew based it's for Israel but the you can you can use the same principles for yeah for many many uh, many many platforms and you can like even if you have to put a bid um, what some people do is they put an outrageous bid so you know everybody puts $200 you put $1 or you put like $5 million or whatever it is like 200k and this will stand out and just go like, hey, uh, ignore the bid because I have to put the bid. But here is like my suggestion for you, one, two, three. So you can hack pretty much every platform. You're trying to get their attention, really. At the end of the day, that's what you need to do as a freelancer. You need to get their attention and get them engaged in speaking with you. And whether, you know, they work with you or they don't, you still need to get their attention. And just submitting, you know, if I post a job for $200 and everybody submits $200, you don't stand out. You're not unique. You know, everybody's just doing the same. But like you're saying, by either leading with value or putting a really low or a high bid, it can get you that initial conversation started. And that's really what you need to be doing as a freelancer because that's you getting in front of your potential clients. Exactly. Yes. And then you give them even one piece of value that they can actually act upon. Perfect. No, that's gold. Absolutely. For anybody who's listening who's freelancers, you know, take this methodology and apply it to your your pitching and see how it goes. You know, make sure you let us know. So, Adam, look... um. Where can people find you on the internet? The best place is my website, adamgoldman.me. Unfortunately, the .com was uh, taken. There are many famous Adam Goldmans, so that was taken. And on Facebook, if you want to see some public reviews, you just type Adam Goldman on Facebook, and my page is usually the, the first result. Perfect. Well, I'll make sure to link up to everything on the website page as well. So look, Adam, thank you very much. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your journey and your story and how you built this business and also giving us more details about, you know, dealing with with grief and mind hacking and things like that. So appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. It's a pleasure.
Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you found it actionable and inspiring, please be sure to give us a rating on iTunes and share it on your social media profiles. You know, tag us on Instagram. Um, you know, get the word out there. Share it in any Facebook groups that you're in where, where people might be freelancers, remote employees, um, online entrepreneurs, anywhere that you feel and anyone that you feel could benefit from learning from today's insights and and the story and the journey of this entrepreneur who is on today's podcast and please help get the word out there and you know every rating helps every every new listener helps and all we're trying to do here is to inspire people and you know share stories to show that it is possible to create that digital nomad lifestyle and also just you know the real nitty-gritty of what it actually takes to build an online business whether that be as a freelancer or as an online business owner Thank you for listening to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. Head over to the website to access the resources and links mentioned in today's episode at digitalnomadcafe.com.